0: Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika, and this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest
1: to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you.
2: In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5E's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators.
0: Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary.
2: A message from friends of the show
3: it is easy to turn a blind eye when it does not directly affect you for years people have been going missing in patterns of three in the nation of palinel they are never found never cited never talked about again in a world built upon tenuous peace you learn to keep your head down lest you become the reason for disruption finally a prominent duke's daughter goes missing a beautiful young elven woman, full of promise, set to take over her father's estate once he retires. This is where the story begins. Follow our heroes go, Belrash and Annalise, as they set out to uncover the secrets of Palinel, the Feywild, and maybe even discover what happened to the before city, the ruins of which the capital city of Amortia is built upon a thrilling tale of mystery and magic. Join us every other Friday for a tale of feats and fates.
2: Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. So we are very excited, as always, to be back in studio talking the TTRPG space with you all once again. Had a lovely vacation, got to spend some time with our families in July here, but we are back and back with a vengeance. So as always, let me say hello to my illustrious co-hosts, Mr. Glenn Myers, Mr. Lee Wanika Miller. Gentlemen, how are you this fine Thursday evening?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Excited to be talking monks. Like they say, everybody was kung fu fighting. Oh, I was going to sing that. Everybody was kung fu
2: fighting. (laughs) Everybody was kung fu fighting. This coming Tuesday will be the class warfare episode that we recorded featuring monks, uh, where I got to run uh, quite a fun scenario against uh, these two, and our uh, friend of the show, Scald from Awfully Queer Heroes. Uh, It was a great time. If you really want to see a showcase of what the monks can do, I think this class warfare in particular was fantastic at that. But tonight... We are going to start with our general discussion on the monk class. I will start by saying that I think that there is more to talk about in the monk class than I thought there was going to be before I had read through it in with a really critical eye and a really deep dive. So I'm very excited for this for this conversation tonight, especially just after we've recorded the class warfare. I think there's some very keen observations from that class warfare that we'll be able to bring up here tonight, so.
1: Absolutely, I gotta say actually, I'm digging the Class Warfare episodes to help get more in touch with the class before we yeah. discuss it, so that's a really good time. Yep. Not just to play, but also to then get more experience. A class I haven't played a lot of in 5e. Yeah.
2: Also, I have not also played a lot of Monks in any edition, frankly. That's never been my class, and I'm very excited about this, and also excited, too, that now that I'm, I'm getting some chance to go ahead and write a Monk at the same time, that was a very interesting... Uh, it was a very interesting experience because I realized I wrote down what I thought would be cool and then read the class. It's like, oh, nope, there are totally different ways that I should do pretty much everything that I put in here. So that was very key. Educational? Uh, yeah, it was very educational. Exactly. Yeah. It's so, almost like these things have a purpose. <laughs> uh, interesting. So I have a
0: lot of history with monks. I actually played several monks in second edition played a couple of them they started as npc sidekick type things but then i took them on as main characters and have done large story arcs with a pair of them my first one very poorly named it was lee one as as one does but i what i really liked about the monks in second edition was the various abilities the the maneuvers the moves Similar to Battle Masters, you had specific yep. moves. Each of them did different damages. And obviously, in the simplification of the combat system that have gone edition by edition, I felt monks lost a lot along the way. And it, it drove me to play characters with martial arts in Palladium more regularly because Palladium maintains that complexity. So yeah. if you take a martial art, there are specific moves you do, a martial art style that has more kicks than punches, kicks do more damage than punches. So you, and you basically are more customizable in that way. And yeah. I enjoyed that extra crunch and found that to be interesting. And that was one of the things I liked about the monk in a crunch light or less crunch system. And you trying to find a way to distill that into easy to use mechanics. I think monks are very well designed in that the mechanics are generally speaking, some subclasses, not so much, but easy to use. But I think it loses a lot of that flavor for me because it becomes very samey. You can still role play it well, but we try to take the role play out of these discussions. So if the role play is even, and you are, glorifying and describing and all those things in combat similarly it becomes very samey what you're doing in in, uh, round after round and that's what i am not a fan of yeah Um, i I hear you on that challenges flurry of
1: blows after flurry of blows after flurry of blows not wrong but we did have other abilities come into play or that could have come into play yeah and we had a lot of abilities that were very key like Uh deck saves no pun intended right
2: yeah, evasion is, was huge, and we will definitely get into that when we get to that power, because when we break down that Class Warfare a little bit, because that was a game-changer for you, and we'll yes. get into that in just a minute as a little uh, kind of preview of that Class Warfare episode. But to also build on what you were saying there, Lewanika, I think that you are, you are absolutely right that they pulled out all of those specific moves from the monks. And if I am putting on my tinfoil hat a little bit, maybe not even tinfoil hat, but more trying to read the cards about what D&D 5th edition was trying to do, and this sort of builds off of a conversation that we were having earlier about monks in general and how they fit into your traditional D&D game or not, I think what they were trying to do was they were trying to take monk as a class and no longer make it oriental right yes they were no longer trying to make it stereotyped and i think that was the intention by taking out things that could be interpreted as exoticizing if that's even a word but making more exotic or treating as other the monks
1: it's not it I should t- be i dub it a word with my magic word fairy one yeah
2: yeah i it, normally lee when the one that makes up words throughout the show but
0: I, I, you know and it is approved it is
4: a
2: proof. <laughs> but I, I think if I'm like looking at how they have taken monks from second and third edition and into fifth edition, I wonder if that's what they were trying to do because they kept some aspects of the strictly Asian martial artist, they kept some and then leaned far away from other ones. And like the ones you said about move specific move specific actions and stuff like that i i also agree with you that i think that a monk built more like a battle master which had some of those options we see that in in some of the subclasses where they you know it was implemented poorly but in the four elements monk we have all those different abilities that you can go ahead yes. and spend different levels of key on and everything like that i think that they tried to do some things like that and just it, they just the subclasses in general. I don't think they did it very well. So, I, we're not going to talk about subclasses just yet. We're going to talk about the classes. <laughs> so for the class,
1: I think it's a really solidly built class that has a Ooh. lot of stuff that gives yeah. them a lot of utility. A lot and, of stuff. Now I agree. They probably were trying to de-Asianify, just for another created word, de-raciallyify <laughs> or culturallyify the monk, which is appropriate. Especially when even when you take away just all of the previous stereotypes from an old generation of ninjas and samurais. But if you look at what the world is looking at now, martial arts were all over the world. Yeah. One of the most established forms of jujitsu in the world is Brazilian jujitsu. Last time I checked, Brazil wasn't in Asia. But aside from that, what they've really done, though, is they've done a good job of boiling it down to the base of what would a monk be? Exactly. No armor. Fast. Reactive small weapons small, they nailed small, all agile
2: of them. agile weapons least, so, not small but
1: agile i will weapons. actually present that i think the monk base class is a fantastic scaffolding to hang subclasses off of that give it the flavor of the martial art you're specialized in
0: i i think you're absolutely correct glenn and i think that's where monk overall lets me down a bit
1: some For of the all, subclasses are fantastic and other ones are crap yeah yeah
0: because <laughs> I think, first of all, very similar to previous discussions that Josh has brought up where we don't care for barbarian being the class name because yeah. that is more of a cultural thing than a job, so to speak. I think this should not be called monk and it should be called martial artist. And then, yeah. and then you could have, yeah. you could have a monk subclass where you could do, or a come up with a title for it or a background you can can, uh, or a
2: background take all these subclasses and make them backgrounds oh my goodness or
0: or you can do the various types like i love the drunken master you can even make each of the subclasses basically a combat style so your subclasses are your fighting style so now you can get some of the european Sword martial arts as a combat style. I think hanging those on the monk scaffolding, as you say, would have been a much more impressive thing. So now you completely remove the cultural aspect and the stereotypical aspect out of this class entirely. And now you put in the style, and if the style comes from a culture, now you just have to handle that style respectfully, and it makes it a much better overall package. I think that's what I wanted from this. If you're going to simplify it and you're going to peel away these layers as they did a great job of peeling away, I think they needed to peel off at least one more layer, and then they needed to add those layers in with the individual subclasses better. And I'm yep. fine with they didn't have them all at once, but you could then just do different martial uh, with all the different books mm-hmm. they've had. A new monk one could come up each time because it's now a new fighting style.
1: So you're preaching to the choir, bub. This whole scaffolding theory of mine, if you'll recall, says that the main class should be the one with four to six abilities, and the subclass should be the one that fills out the rest of it. Yep. Because the subclass is where the flavor comes from. Yep. That's what makes the character special. That's what makes the character sing.
2: And Monk definitely does that. Monk it does. It's I, I think the Monk class as a whole is very so- solid. And the subclasses are really mm-hmm. hit or miss. I think even more so than them being hit or miss, I think that the subclasses as a whole and in general do not complement the main class. I think that they provide some flavor, but mechanically, there were so many times we were looking at these subclasses that I was like, what why would I choose Power XYZ instead of Flurry, flurry of Blows? Why I had, would I ever do that? I had a couple of those moments
0: in the class Warfare, and you saw yeah. what I did. Yeah. You did. I'm not going to yeah. use this at <laughs> this time because I need to be able to do my Flurry of Blows.
2: Yeah. Let's start breaking down the class itself here, because we're going to have a whole separate episode next week about the subclasses, where we're going to go ahead and go into them in more detail. But let's start right. tonight with the class itself, and let's see. So, Glenn, you talked first about the nature of the monk itself, and I think that that starts right from the very beginning, when you introduce its power of ki, the unarmed defense, and the martial arts. So, Absolutely. Tell us more about what did you think about that? How did you think it was built? What were your overall kind of feeling on the way that was implemented?
1: So I'm actually a fan. I'm not positive because I haven't played enough monks to decide if the key point economy is balanced because some of the stuff seems expensive when I'm reading it. But I haven't played it in game to actually experience for all of the subclasses. That balance comes down when you're throwing down five key at a time to maximize an ability. But I was burning through key without doing that at one right. key at a time. I was still burning through key. I'd gone through more than half of my key in the fight, right? Yeah. So I'm not 100% certain on the action economy of key, but I very much like the concept of being able to act to activate your inner energy and to manipulate the energy in your opponent. I think they did a lot of stuff to pull out some of what we talked about before but keep the overall flavor and hone it down. But I got to say that, and I didn't think this was going to be as much of a fan – for mechanic for me until after we played the class warfare but i gotta say the martial arts die and the way that it expands because mm. it takes over your weapon damage i think is pretty freaking hot and i say that because does it make that big of a difference if you go kensai and you have long sword no not necessarily but if you've got a dagger and by 14th level you're throwing a dagger for a d8 yeah
2: Plus your and dexterity then, modifier, plus additionally, potentially a D4 if you're playing... Exactly. Like, it really, like, you could be throwing up to 20 points of damage with a dagger. Like, that's right. stupid, and I loved and, it. <laughs> and I was
1: throwing double daggers because of yeah. an amazing magical item that was introduced in, I think it was Dungeon... No, it was in Waterdeep Dagon Heist. I'm pretty positive. The Bracer of Flying Daggers, where for mm. your action, you draw two daggers and throw them, but it's two attacks, right? So I'm getting nice. two daggers at a D8 apiece for a throw... For thrown throne from 20 feet away now is that something i was going to be able to use the whole combat effectively no but that one piece really drove home for me how powerful that martial arts die is when it's taking over the damage of a short sword for a d10 when you're yeah. in tier four
2: yep T- totally agree i thought that martial arts in general was hot i thought i loved it i thought the free bonus action attack was mm-hmm. great and I l- I wrote right in here, lots of flavor in graduating increase in the unarmed damage. I thought that just in general, that whole martial arts category was just was fantastic. It really was. It was. You know, and you're, and combine and- that with the unarmed defense too. So now you've got your defense based exclusively on your dexterity and your wisdom. I thought mm-hmm. that was a really excellent and elegant way to do that. Because now you've got a monk that is potentially with an AC of 20 heading into tier two. That's not nothing. That's pretty great. question if you though, can
1: manipulate it further than that too. I was a dragonborn, and I took the feat for a dragonhide, which increased my armor class by two. I was going to so ask started, you how you did that exactly. I started at twelve the, yeah. plus Dex plus Wisdom, but the total you don't get to add anything to. You get boop seventeen, and you don't get to add anything to it after that
2: for its natural. armor. Uh, intriguing. How about you, Mister Miller? What do you think about the base way that the class is built?
1: I
0: like key, and I think to respond to Glenn's comment i think the balance is for how the key mechanic works it varies by your subclass Definitely. i think there are some subclasses where it's just about spot on can say worked perfectly i took out what was a fairly long fight i think we got the seven rounds
2: seven rounds something like that yeah
0: i had three key left i figure that's pretty good you go 10 you should be spent and i was going to be spent one more round uh for the most part
2: You guys were level fourteen, right? Level fourteen,
0: yeah. So you had fourteen key to start, so that's pretty good.
2: I figured that's not
0: bad. That's about right. That felt good to me. I didn't feel like I had extra, and I got to use it whenever, pretty much at liberty. But I also did make a choice towards the end to not use some of my heavier ones. That was a tactical decision. If you were playing a one of the other subclasses, that decision became terribly more easy or difficult. Depending. I think they needed to do more work to make the key mechanic correct for everything. And that's not on the class side. That's on the subclass side. No, I like the mechanic. I think it's a, it's balanced and right for the game as a whole. They just needed to do more on the other end. But I, in addition to that, I just think the way it's built is really decent. The simple weapons, short swords, I think it's good. Would I have liked them to build more exotic weapons and so you could have something a little better with it? Yeah, probably, but I get why they didn't. They just say, pick something close and flavor it, so be it. I would have liked to have seen maneuvers or moves that impose some interesting conditions, restraints or things like that. I think would have been nice
1: to see added to the base class. Uh, That could be a fun subclass for us to write. Yep. But I think a, that's a I, I think that's the way to go. You
0: got to go for somebody that's doing you know, something Aikido like. Build yourself a Steven Seagal and then give him the the uh, the City Watch uh, background so you can yeah. above or the, the, walk, chef, or or the chefs the chef feet. Yeah,
1: I also cook. Yeah,
0: also cook. But I, I, in general, I think it's built solid. I like it yeah. a lot. I think it's fine. The key mechanics great. The martial arts die is awesome. It was very helpful. It's what keeps punching people good. If you add in some good feats. You add in crusher as a feat. Now, when you hit, the, when, now when you hit those crits, you're good. And I think the idea is the more hits you drop, the more chances you go you have to get those yeah. crits. I didn't hit any, but I threw a lot of extra dice, a lot of extra attacks in there. Yep. Uh, and the whole point was so I could increase my chances on crit because I took the crusher
2: feat. So thank you for the lead-in, because that goes exactly to the next point of conversation that I wanted to go ahead and bring up here. And first, a, a small point is that I love that key recharges on a short rest. I think that, yes. that is a fantastic addition to it's this the only class. reason
1: the current system works. Absolutely. Otherwise, you'd run out and you'd be screwed yeah, till the next you, day.
2: Exactly. You use key too quickly to have to wait for a long rest on it. But here's the point that I wanted to go ahead and toss out for discussion is That is one thing that the monk class is built on is getting more attacks, always Mm -hmm. being able to attack, attack, attack. You roll in those D twenties over and over again, Mm -hmm. as you burn key. That's, vastly different than other classes where you don't get multiple attacks very often, but what you do get as you get higher up in level is you get additional damage. So it's like, I make a sword attack and I'm a warlock, so I'm doing an extra D8 because I have the super warlock ability that allows me to go ahead and do an extra D8 worth of damage. Isn't that spiffy?
1: Yeah, but monks get that too in a lot of them too.
2: They get some, but not as much. They don't don't get extra extra damage a lot, but they get extra attacks an awful lot, and they get a bunch more extra attacks than people get extra damage. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are, like, how does that balance out, right? Like, you guys played them, so I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Do you find that the extra attacks with the ability of potentially not doing more damage or doing full damage is better than just doing a little bit of extra damage because of your abilities? How did... I found that balance to be
0: perfect because here I am having played two, two sides of that spectrum. I've played a fighter and I've played a monk and I have also played a warlock and I've played a ranger. So four different four different classes. Rangers, you add Hex, you, or not Hex, rather, you, you add Hunter's Mark.
2: Hunter's Mark, okay. yeah.
0: And, and then you throw down your bow and arrow. Eventually you get an extra shot. You're adding an extra D6. At 14th level, I'm probably coming out with my two attacks and my extra D6s on those attacks because I've got 100s mark. If I'm rolling moderately in the 15 to 20 20 range, if I'm rolling the 20 to 30 range at max, right? Probably a little lighter than that. If I'm playing a Warlock, I'm doing similar amounts of damage, especially if I'm going with Eldritch Blast, if I'm using some kind of Warlock weapon. But again, you're doing that with Hex. If I'm playing the Fighter, I'm throwing down a boatload of hit of attacks with weapons that are pretty hefty. But at the end of the day, if I alpha strike one time in a combat, I can nail in the forties to fifties as a fighter. Right. But I'm generally hitting in the, in the 15 to high end, 20 to 20 to 30, regularly about around 15 to 20 is where I end up averaging with the monk. What I realized is I was running, I think right around 18 to 22 pretty frequently because I, i built this to be able to successfully hit consistently hitting in that 18 to 25 range and I for damage and that ain't wrong at 14th level. That's four classes that are all in that range on average. Now different ones peak the fighter. Obviously for its big move peaks a lot higher than that. The other guys peak a lot higher than that, but I bet, but I can guarantee you I was hitting more consistently with this monk than I would be. than I tend to hit with the fighter and I was hitting more consistently than I tend to hit with the ranger about same as far as the uh, the warlock because of the way charisma works for them but i definitely noticed that it is really matching every other things the only people that can't keep pace with really are paladins with their smites yep wizards with their third with their fifth and sixth level spells and and that one shot that a uh, a rogue is going to yeah. get when they drop all
2: the dice. I will say that that's one one thing that I noticed with the minions that I threw at you all in this class warfare. There are two types of minions. There were a handful of monks. These are monks from the Monastery of the Distressed Body. Elder monks, which are a CR2 monk, but they only have a 13 armor class. And then the other ones were a handful of Red Dragon wormlings, which have a 17, but still... With the hits that you all were throwing, you you chewed through those minions pretty quickly. And so I would say that I think that in this instance, given the encounter that I built, the difficulty and CR rating did lie to me on this one a little bit. Because the minions that you faced, they they slowed you down a little bit. But they didn't slow you down enough. They didn't slow you down as much as I thought that they were going to. Part of that is the fact that I could not roll above an eight, so I mean that they weren't doing any damage, and y'all were hitting them a lot. Right. Part of
1: it was you didn't you breathed on my monk like three different yeah. times twice with the big dragon
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I took zero damage because of evasion. I think, and I don't know exactly how to parse it out, because if you're a warrior and you get two to three attacks, but you get them every round and you don't have to spend anything extra for them by the time you're 14th level, you don't have to spend key, you never run out, you're always going to get two to three attacks every time you make the attack action. I think overall they're going to stay a heavier on the damage dealer, but in terms of melee range combatants, yeah, aside from that, they're going to they're gonna keep up and they're going to do well. Paladin Smites are going to outdo them, but... I focused my feats on maxing my dexterity to 20. Yeah. The only extra feat I had beside that was a dragon hide because it affected my attacks. It affected my defense plus my wisdom. So all of that together made it a solid stat. So I was throwing out four attacks around at plus 11 to hit.
2: Yeah, dude, that's stupid <laughs> so
1: i wasn't missing often oh, even man. with four attacks right yeah no. and rolling four attacks around a is giving me a 25 percent increase over a fighter's three attacks around to roll a yeah. 20 yeah and over anybody else any other martial classes two attacks around yeah plus the possible pickup of a third attack from your bonus action and then some of them go even beyond that But I found it really interesting that Lee Wanika mentioned the ranger, and this is a little bit off topic of this, but specifically because one of the things I thought about, and I'm not usually the multi-class guy. One of the things I thought about was how much fun it could be to multi-class a monk or multi-class end a monk after a few levels of something else. Like one of my favorite options is the monster slayer ranger. So you got this bald monk guy who's also a monster slayer ranger, which gets him effectively Hunter's Mark for free as a bonus action unlimited. Slayer's prey is as a bonus action, pick any creature within thirty feet. There's no limiter on it. Extra d6 every time you hit them. Yep. So for damage wise, it does the same amount. So you get yeah, something like that. You, you only need three levels of ranger to do mark that. On
0: top of that, for an extra two d6. Exactly.
1: So then you can Ugh. cast the spell too for the occasion. So three levels of hunter gets you all that added onto your monk.
2: Here's the balance to that though is that isn't isn't martial arts that gets you all that additional stuff. Isn't that A bonus action also?
1: Yes, yes, but but you you only only have to to use use it once at the beginning. It lasts. You just use it once at the beginning. And And then when you you have to change targets. Yeah, Yeah, you get the free
0: cast and then when you change targets. So it's pretty solid. Yeah. That's not bad at all. And I thought about that too, Glenn. I thought about the multi-classing aspects. I now am enamored with what multi-classing monk into some other class can bring you or with other classes. There's a lot of synergy. I know there's some ones that's you'd think would be good but they absolutely don't work well it's the economy of the way things work as far as how they come out i heard that that huh. there's monk and some a couple things that sound good at face value but they don't really work as well as you'd think they'd work would, would work Interesting. um More on that in the future, because I think we'll do a multi-class episode sometime later this year or early next year and start looking at combos and what things work and what things don't.
2: I will make sure to drop it in the show notes, but there's there's an account that I follow on Twitter that every week they put out on DMs Guild a new multi-class option. Basically, they start with one class, and they multi-class into every other class from that single class, and they put out a new one every week. That's a lot of fun, so I will make sure to go ahead and mention that on our Twitter feed because I've had a lot of fun uh, reading that. We, I see their stuff on uh, on Self Promo Saturday all the time, and they're always very interesting.
1: My last thing on Basic Martial Arts, which isn't about the number of blows or anything, but it's specifically about the other abilities that you get automatically with yeah. martial arts. We talk about flurry of blows because that's pretty much all you use, seemed. But I did find the other ones, and I was hoping to have more of a reason to use them, but we didn't in our fight. But I thought that patient defense for Mm -hmm. the ability to take dodge as a bonus action on your turn instead, if you need it, like if you're in a situation that added a lot of versatility to give disadvantage to hit you situationally Yeah. and step of the wind for dash disengage with uh, doubling your movement and stuff to be able to make the escape or or reposition. I also thought was really hot. We didn't have a whole lot of use for I was going to step of the wind (laughs) when I crossed the canvas that you had over the dragon pet. Yeah. But I wound but up in the, fights the dragon too burnt soon, it and then yeah. the dragon took out the tarp, and I couldn't and run and... on it. It was pretty
0: sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. You were bummed about that. When Scald had to back away from the big dragon, I thought that she was going to have to use those types of abilities to do so. Yeah, for reaction, the open
1: hand, they actually get an ability that they can apply an effect to the person that they hit, which means they can't take reactions until the end of their next turn.
0: Basically eliminated the need to use it. There was
1: an opportunity
2: where it was going to be, but there was backups for it. So, excellent. I mean, it, it, that, that worked well. Totally agree. And I also like how, so I, this is one of the things that make the monk just a fantastic combat utility character, right? Is that they get a bunch of rogue like things and they're all bound by their key points. So they're not rogues, right? They, they can't just do them willy-nilly, but they can dabble here and there. They can dabble in fighter stuff. They can dabble in warlock stuff. They can dabble in all these other things. There's a few the
1: spellcasting versions, but that's where I think it gets a little expensive on the key yeah. side.
2: Yep. I agree. That's Let's cool. take a little break here and we will be back in a minute to go ahead and continue our discussion of uh, of the monk class.
4: Ah, welcome travelers. I see you have found your way. Welcome to the heroic subclasses of the multiverse Kickstarter. Which are your favorites? Are you telling stories of political intrigue? Perhaps the Metropolitans are for you. Are your tales dark, mystical, and mysterious as the Shadow Dwellers themselves? Or are you out for high adventure and want to take your ship to explore the lands of the Boiling Seas? Do you hear the call of the wild and want to dive into the Outlanders? Help us bring you these amazing subclasses, plus backgrounds, feats, adventures, and more. Fair time, friends. For Legends Await,
2: Everybody, We are back. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about, and I, I'm hoping to tap into the ancestral knowledge that is presented here on the podcast with my illustrious co-hosts, I did not understand the benefit of the dedicated weapon optional rule. And here is what got me confused. So if we read dedicated weapon at second level, you tr- it's an optional rule. You train yourself to use a variety of weapons as monk weapons, not just simple melee weapons and short swords. Whenever you finish a short or long rest, you can touch one weapon, focus your key on it, and then count that weapon as a monk weapon until you use this feature again. Here's what didn't make any sense to me. The chosen weapon must meet these three criteria. The first one is that the weapon must be a simpler martial weapon. Most monks don't get martial weapons at all. The martial weapons. You're exact. That's what the difference is. They only get okay. simple. Okay. All right, so what that's saying is that you can do this to any other simple weapon, even if it's not traditionally a monk weapon. But you okay. can also now do it to martial weapons.
1: It's like a, a way to be a kensai devoted to a single weapon, as to opposed to the kensai okay. class, and still having another. Yeah, yeah,
2: and it's still, still, can't heavy, still can't be heavy, right? so can't be special. So you still can't use your pole arms, but you can use a spear, that kind of thing. That makes sense. It says specifically focus your key on it, but there's no key expenditure. Which right. I was like, which maybe that's because it happens over a rest. It's stupid to go ahead and make them spend you're, key and then get it right back. You're spiritually on rest.
1: bonding with this weapon, is what yeah. you're doing.
2: It w- I would have liked to see that you can bond with the sword, but you have to allocate a key to it, and that you don't get it back on a short, or long rest until you remove the bond from the weapon. Something like that, I thought, might be cool. Make Pretty it cost cool. something. Otherwise, it's just a thing. You just get to, it's. A, we set up all these rules for the weapons that you can go ahead and use, but you can break that rule if you want. Here you go. I was kind of like, okay.
0: I think that kind of harkens back to glenn's question i don't know i'm not sure about the balance of key right so i think what they were trying to do is say there are some that the key balance is so off they can't cause cause it to spend but they can't add another cost they certainly need some way to narratively explain this power and so that's the needle they were trying to thread i was listening to or watching treat monk on youtube and his discussion about various monk things he'd mentioned his problem with Monk was the fact that everything was key was powered by key and that yep. he felt that was a disservice to the class in that he thought mm. that if you powered different things in different ways, then whatever you powered off key, because he liked key, he just think it covered too many things. If he took huh. some of the special abilities, say way, the four elements monk and made those per long rest per short rest, Per proficiency, that way of then key becomes one more special, and it makes that power more yeah. usable and readily available. Now, I think you have to take the whole thing down to its base and build it back up in order to make that balance with other classes and the game as a whole. But he's not entirely wrong.
2: And I think he is wrong, and here's why I can say that: is that I'm looking through the list of abilities that they get. Slow fall does not require key. Quick and healing does require key. Extra attack does not require key. Stunning strike does require key. Focus hot. Aim, by the
1: way, we have to stop. Very about
2: hot. We'll get to that in a minute. It, it, especially hot if you're facing a dragon breathing fire on you. It's flying aim, over a giant open key. pit. Key strikes do not require key. Evasion does not require key, and that is criminal. That that they get evasion. That a dexterity based class gets evasion at seventh level, and it doesn't cost any key. Uh, wow. Stillness of mind, no key. Rogues uh, don't have pure, to pay for you know, it. They're just pure your body, no key. So it's 60% of their powers don't require key. Until you look at the subclass and then
0: almost right. everything is powered by key. Yep. That was right. Treat Monk's point. It wasn't that the cost of the base class stuff was powered by key. It was that... That the cost makes sense, of, well, though.
1: That makes sense. ...of your martial art. Yeah. yeah. Without needing a- to Monk. expend all of your key. That represents your base yeah. core training. And, and then I- your subclass, all your special moves, maybe one or two of them. And there are some like that, like the Radiant yeah. Soul gets a 30-foot or the radiant something gets a 30 foot ranged attack of shooting a radiant bolt of in- sun soul. Thank you. Sun-sol, bolt yeah. of energy. We're not on subclasses yet, but that doesn't, that first ability costs them nothing. They get a 30 foot ranged attack that nobody else gets. So it, it isn't, yeah. but I get what he's saying yeah. because most of them are very heavy key cost except for a few.
2: Yeah. So, so would you say that a battle, ma- that, ba- that it's wrong that battlemasters have to use their mastery dice on their subclass abilities? You no. Know, when you made the comment,
0: adding one key point to that ability would work. I'm saying the reason they didn't is because of the heavy cost on the four elements monk and some of the other monk subclasses, because that one key point means you don't have the opportunity to do any of those abilities three times in a combat. And I, so I think that's why they didn't. I think the design element was, we're not going to make this thing cost something. We're just going to talk about it because we made other things too expensive. So I think the answer is, if you made some of the four elements monk stuff cost less, then you could actually make some of this yeah. flavor stuff cost I less.
2: think that if you're going to expand the weapons, here's what I didn't like about, about dedicated weapon, right, is that part of it is they spent this entire time kind of establishing what a monk is. They use simple weapons, they don't wear armor, blah, 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 blah. And then they introduce an optional rule that says, if you don't like that, you don't have to do that. And I don't like that. I think but that should... Today.
0: To summarize, Josh, what I took from what you're saying is if you have this ability, it should cost. What I was saying is their design decision was they can't make it cost because,
2: because everything else is of
0: the cost of other things. I'm agreeing with you, right? Yeah. I think it should oh, cost also. But their design decision, at least, appears to. We can't make this cost because this other thing costs too much. They want their cake and eat it too. They want the flavor, and not, but not have to change anything else. So their answer was, make it a flavor thing only with no mechanics. And it leaves us in this three-way debate where should it stay just a flavor? Should it have a cost so it has some weight? And why the hell would they do that? So I'm agreeing with you. I just yeah. think I know the reason and why. What d is all about.
2: It. Yeah.
1: That's I, what all of the optional rules are all about. It's about making the class so that it can be what somebody else wanted it to yeah. be.
2: Yeah. And, and but I think you should have had a cost. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the next really key feature of the monks, and that's at second level when they get unarmored movement. Oh, we, we
1: did talk about unarmored movement before a little bit uh, and how awesome it is that you can constantly get faster and faster. But yeah, that unarmored movement is hot. In our class warfare, movement was everything. We closed yeah. distance fifty-five in feet single around,
0: single rounds. Yeah. Like, we were able to throw damage on every round because we got within range attack, in the first round without having to dash. And then we were able to close on the second round and hit with vehement and yeah. all the extra attacks. That's why we were able to beat the enemies. If, you, if we did not have unarmored movement, those minions would have taken much longer, at least by a round or two, to defeat. Awesome. To me, it, that Ooh. unarmored movement made that combat for us.
1: Another side note about the monk that's super cool is deflect missiles because that's one of the next ones up on the lower powers you get it at third level right it's one of the base Ah. abilities and it's not something you think about very often because you don't use it that much we kept having things thrown at us unfortunately none of them hit us for us to be able to use deflect (laughs) missiles
2: this this here's the problem with me not being able to roll over an eight like i did not roll double digits on my dice but
1: a constant reaction from third level is hot yep and if you reduce the damage from the incoming missile to zero You could throw that sucker
2: right back at him. Totally agree. Deflect missiles is awesome. And honestly, if I am, uh, again, if I'm letting you peer behind my DM screen a little bit, the entire reason that I chose monks that had force javelins is to try to counteract the fact that I was going up against monks that could deflect regular javelins and throw them back at me. That was by design. That was absolutely a, uh, the monsters know what they're doing and- Move where it's okay, monks know that they're going to be facing monks, they're throwing shit that they can't come back at them.
1: Why like, wouldn't we have been able to throw it back at
2: them? Because they just okay, so forces. we could only they
1: deflect have, them, we couldn't send them
2: back exactly. Yeah, they, they yeah,
1: yeah. But I'm a monk too. What if I yep. spend a key? If I voluntarily spent a key, could I maintain the energy <laughs> on it to throw it back? Because I might have done uh, that.
2: No, if you catch a missile in this way, you can't, you would have to spend a key to go ahead and do that. But that's you know, slow yeah. fall never came up,
0: but no nope. cool ability. Yep. yep, quick and healing. Very nice as an optional rule. Yep. Always nice Um, to be able to heal
2: yourself. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: There was there that could have come up. It didn't, but it could have come up.
1: Got our extra attacks at fifth level. That was hot. Yep. Yep. And other fifth level power. Guess what it is? The absolute game changer.
2: Boy, what a game changer! Now here is for those of you that are getting ready for the class warfare. There is a red dragon that makes its appearance, and stunning strike plays a critical role in in that its combat, final moments <laughs> in its final moments i will also say that y'all were gonna kill that dragon anyway but the way that you did it with stunning strike was chef's kiss a brilliant maneuver blend yeah, like, i think really, fox
1: actually dropped it before it reached the bottom but yeah, still yeah, she did. because if you stunning strike something that's flying it falls it falls and yeah
0: you have advantage because it's
2: stunned yeah it's it, it incapacitated Yeah.
1: Yeah, So uh, as it was falling, it was also getting pummeled by.
2: You you guys were like (laughs) taking off shoes to throw at it. That was as it fell. It was yeah. Stunning strike is a brilliant ability at fifth level. Is stunning strike overpowered to get? I think it's really great. I love. I would love having it and knowing that you had stunning strike. Like if this had been a fifth level uh, campaign and you guys were fifth level monks and you could stunning strike, it maybe pushes that envelope a little bit. It doesn't escalate. It doesn't advance like it's always what it is, that kind of thing. So I think that's what it's balanced is that over time, stunning strike doesn't get any stronger. It just can always do the same thing.
1: But, but save maybe, goes higher. Like you'd have made the save against a level five monk a lot easier than you made this yeah, Constitution save yeah. against I, a level fair. fourteen. Th-
0: that's really the balance point, and it's the type of save. So yeah, many Constitution, are good saves, at constitution yeah. yeah, that there's a number of enemies, and you rolled particularly badly. Look, fighting so- a- dragons, even weak ones. Have pretty high constitutions generally
2: right. yeah oh yeah um, th- th- exactly the and, fact that I ro- the fact that I rolled a natural one on that does not help the fact that you're able to go ahead and stun it. so right? it had a plus nine to its constitution. so the odds of it failing that save were pretty minimal and it ro- well, I rolled a natural one
1: ish. so now like, let's talk about the action economy of the monk again and how many attacks they get. yep and let's read the ability stunning strike. Yeah. You need to attack four times around, and you failed on my first attack, because there's no limiter on Stunning Strike. I could have spent a key every time I hit you. Yep. And made you re-roll that save until yep. you failed.
2: So, what? one key for Flurry of Blows, and then another four key for each one that hits?
1: Yeah. That's the only ability that I was rocking that would have been expensive the whole time. The rest of my Healing Hand Monk's fight, he was using one key ability to activate Flurry of Blows, because he gets yeah. Hand of Healing or Hand of Harm for free when he does it. So, yeah, so yeah but, my so action you, economy was cheaper a lot yeah. than the Ken size
2: yeah but you figure at 14th level your key save is let's see 8 13 plus 16, your wisdom 18. your wisdom was another five so my wisdom 18. wasn't
1: five it was only three it was 16 for
2: myself okay so the save was 16 okay at 16 at a plus nine I have to roll a seven or above to save and I have to do that four times the odds are pretty good that at some point I'm going to roll under a seven and fail that mm-hmm. save. If I, or if hit I can start times.
1: again the next round if I need to, yeah. if I need to yep. stop somebody. Totally. Yeah. And right then, if, because uh, Lee Winika had already tried one stunning strike on it and it made the save. Yep. It just happened to fail my right? If all yeah. three of us switched to this tactic oh, while goodness. it was still hovering over that pit, it could have fallen oh, yeah. on the first round.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely incredible
1: so it the might next be honestly a little bit op for fifth level
2: yeah for fifth and that's all that i'm saying is that for fifth <laughs> I level agree with be, you on that. Yeah, i'm not sure where else i would put it because i think that everything else is very well placed in monk so yeah fine they get something strike at fifth level their I, save is a little
1: bit weaker swap it with level. stillness of mind
0: i
2: would kick yeah i would kick it to stillness of
0: mind and i would move key empowered strikes to five and i would put stillness of mind at six that's how i would do it. i would reorder those that's not yeah. bad uh, a, and yeah. leave Evasion at 7. Actually, yeah. I may... Yeah.
1: Um, and Unarmored Movement just keeps getting better as you go up. That's It does, yeah. Part of the reason why this list is so long improved on Unarmored yeah. Movement improvement.
2: <laughs> yep. Let's talk about Evasion for a second, because again, another game-changing ability. Right. That was, again, like, I threw dragons at you because I wanted it to be flavorful for a monk-flavored battle. But Evasion absolutely rendered the dragons that I threw at you... Like impotent, like they really
1: mass damage wise. Two, yeah, two, two claws, one bite, almost dropped one of us.
2: That's fair. That is true. Exactly. When uh, Scald tried to go ahead and go toe to toe with it, and it hit her for three straight attacks, including one critical, I hit Scald for fifty something hit points. I think that round she only had seventy two to start, and she'd already been tendered up a little bit. I nearly dropped her from. She had like sixty something hit points. I nearly had, I dropped her down to seven in that one round. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. If it can, if it's only face, facing one target forget it but when it was trying to go ahead and strafe around and hit the three of you evasion right. made that virtually
1: when it, useless when it cooked its own dragon wormling to ash it
2: but yeah evasion like a play straight out of the rogue book the rogue also gets it at a set at seventh level yep. no limits on it it just is it makes boy.
1: sense to me for them both to get yeah. it at seven because they're both so reaction reflex and dexterity based. Sure. it does make sense
0: yeah i think totally i think it Having played this and having played so many rogues in fifth edition, I almost wish that this was a bit higher for monks simply so that rogues get to shine with that ability a little bit longer. A little bit. I think that it definitely could be, could move up a little bit just to let other classes shine. It's a solid ability. I don't know if it's broken, but I think it could be placed better for the balance of the game as a whole.
2: I hear that. And I think that actually, when we were talking earlier about where we would place stuff, let's remember too that after you get evasion at seventh level, you do hit the doldrums of the class here, and because you get you start getting some subclass abilities, but at seventh, tenth, and thirteenth level, you get immunity to a couple of effects, you get immunity to a couple of effects, and then you get to understand (laughs) all spoken languages. Which like I think is hot. It's a, it's, it, it's, look, it's a good, useful ability, but at 13th level, let me let me put it this way. That that's, level that's is hard harder to, to get do. than evasion.
1: Yeah. It's harder to get than stunning strike. No, it's more flavor, but it, they're also getting an ability at 9, 10, 13, 14, 15. Most classes don't get that many, one yeah, right after you, the other. To
0: Josh's point, if you moved evasion to the 10th level and put purity of body to 7 or tongue of yeah, moon they, to 7, where there's still a little a bit over more the road. Game. I would prefer to yep. move tongue and moon to seven where there's a lot more game left because you're
2: still yep. playing into the end of tier two exactly two least, that's when two. you need to start understanding other languages that's when that's when you're handing them the most amount of social stuff because like tier two you're starting to get really famous yeah. but you're not quite a superhero yet
0: like that then if you kick that up to 10 now you're getting it when fighters are getting indomitable I think that it actually fits better I would re- I think they're all great abilities I think if reorganizing when you get those would play yeah. better and be more enjoyable so you're not going through these levels saying
2: oh i just got this one this time I totally. all right that does make yep. good sense
1: yep but the next one diamond, diamond Soul, Soul, i think is one of the hottest
2: gimme, ones. gimme gimme totally absolutely oh man basically proficiency on all saving throws and the ability to re-roll them by expending key yes please with no yeah, limit on how many times
1: oh. you could do that
2: yeah that's why we won
1: i mean you I mean, couldn't I- do it over and on the same savings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you have to take the second one in the same turn. Yeah, but you could fail one this round. Or you yep. can fail two this round. You can fail three yep. this round if three people cast on you and re-roll all of them. Yep.
2: Couple that with evasion,
1: right? Unless you run out of. Yeah, exactly. You were never hitting me with dragon's breath, even
2: if I no, failed. Exactly. Exactly. Like you evasion. Oh, I failed the save. Well, I'm going to spend a key and I'm going to re-roll it. Now, first of all, I had proficiency on it for one, but for also, if I happened to fail it, I'm going to then roll it. I'm going to spend a key and re-roll it. The odds of you being hit by the dragon's breath were pretty, pretty slim strong. and so that was and my I, and my save for dex was like a plus 11. <laughs> yeah. I erred by throwing something that required a dexterity save at you. That's okay. You it's cuz like, you didn't
1: plan the you didn't specifically research into our class and plan an encounter to kill us cuz that's not yeah. what we do. We just make an encounter that we think is cool.
0: Gem Dragon would have been d- done much better cuz some of those are not dexterity yep. based. They're others like yep. they're constitution based. based. Yeah. So
2: like, I was thinking poison would be pretty great, or mm-hmm. acid would be... no oh, acid's dexterity also, but poison would be good. Timeless body, the next one here. So, again, your key sustains you so that you suffer none of the frailty of old age, and you can't be aged magically. You can still die of old age. So, again, this is, again, one of those abilities that's, like, great for flavor, but yeah. when good does I, Who else gets timeless? There's another class that gets timeless body. Is it the sorcerers? I think there's a the type of sorcerer Paladins. Paladins don't age. Paladins don't age. Undying sentinel, which they get at 15th level. So they get at exactly the same point that paladins do. And I think it would be fair to say that when we looked at this for the paladins, we also said, you know what, right. I'm at fifteenth level, the fact that I don't get old anymore, eh, it's not great.
1: But it's neat
0: flavor.
2: It's great. neat flavor, great. but again at fifteenth level I don't want flavor.
0: <laughs> I mean, here's the other thing. If you're playing a campaign that's going to fifteenth level, chances are you're in for the long haul. So that has more impact on those games. If you were to get that at a at a lower level, people would yeah. be like, "Who cares? I'm only playing this for another."
2: Yeah, I suppose, and I suppose like once your fifteenth level monk becomes, the, the, then they become like Benito would do. They become NPCs in the next campaign. How about empty body? So let's see. Beginning at eighteenth level, you can use your action to spend four key points to become invisible for a minute. Again, we're gonna when we start talking about the subclasses, when we start talking specifically about the elemental monk, about how expensive spells are for monks. Mm. At 18th level, spending four key points for the invisibility spell, or getting invisibility for astral projection, especially with the amount of mobility that you've got. If with the amount of mobility that you've got, and your your proficiency in all your saving throws, and your dexterity at this point is maxed out, how much do you actually care about being able to be invisible for that minute? Maybe it's it's situationally cool, but at 18th level, maybe not great. I'll take that one step further. Invisibility
0: is a spell that wizards get at 5th level. Yeah. Why the heck am I getting a third, level, getting spell. A third yeah. level spell Yeah, at 18th level? Yeah. Weak sauce. Weak a sauce. A butt-ton know. of weak sauce.
2: At least it only counts four key points, but only at 18th level you've got, what, 17? It's a third
1: level spell, though. Right? Yeah. And that's one of my issues with the spells. If they did one key per spell level, that's less don't... of an objection.
0: Yeah. But I look at it this way, that's how many flurry of blows I
2: don't get to do? Yeah, no, that's fair. Exactly. To put it in perspective, so it better be a spend, goddamn good spell. You you can spend four key and get a third level spell, or with the same ability, you can spend eight key and get a ninth level spell. Like, why would you spend four to be invisible when you can spend eight and astral, astral project, project yourself? Anyway, and then perfect self twentieth level. You roll for initiative. When you roll for initiative and have no key points remaining, you gain four key points. Meh.
0: If that was at fifteen, weak, 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 much weak better. Size. That ability at fifteen is hot that ability at 18 is is decent at 20 wasted my freaking time
2: yeah four key points is not really again i suppose it's also the i'm sorry but if we so if i'm rolling initiative that means that we are we had been out of combat and now we are in combat so either we're getting surprised or whatever right or if my dumbass I, should have taken a short rest my dumbass should have taken a short rest <laughs> like i get all my key back at a short rest so it's i don't know you make
0: you make a great point but i'm just going to throw this out here let's keep in mind that short rests are going away so they're not going to exist anymore so that's going to have a lot more use in the future than it has ever had in the past
1: short rests are going away i know that's that is a popular theory but i'm not positive that that's the case
2: i mean and if they do go away the trade-off is going to be that you can go ahead and expend your hit dice to go ahead and do things so instead it will be if You can expend a hit die, and instead of getting hit points back, you get that number of key. That's better. And that is objectively a better use of hit die than anything else that we saw in that Unearthed Arcana that had
0: it. Again, I think this is just, it's an ill-placed, this is a decent ability, because there are going to be times where you beat the minions, and you're not in combat rounds while you take the 30 steps, go through the next trap, and then
1: fight the boss.
2: Yeah, Okay. Yeah, but if you spend all of your... Uh, okay, here's the other thing. If you spend all of your key fighting the minions, you're not a good monk.
1: Basically, that scenario should come up infrequently enough that it yeah. has no business being the capstone ability. It's exactly. not that the situation doesn't
2: exist.
0: Exactly. That and that's why I say much lower level.
2: Yeah. Way lower. Us
0: back to, kick <laughs> us back to 10 or 13. Let's, again, look,
2: to, to go ahead and put this in perspective, at 20th level, you get perfect self, and you got evasion at seven
0: and i'd much rather have the evasion that does a
1: lot
2: more
0: for me than
1: those oh my goodness yeah i'd rather get another up to my unarmored movement than roll for initiative four more key points i'm gonna be honest you gave me another five feet of movement i'd take that now mind you i still think that's a capstone but i think it's better than what's there
2: parting thoughts gentlemen before we go ahead and sign off here sure
1: fox thank you so much for coming and playing with us again that was fantastic everybody y'all are gonna love that when you listen to it but my final parting thought would be, as we're talking about monk and these final abilities, we've had a lot of really great things to say about it. But right there at the end, it sounded like it was a lot of trash talking. It's not that uncommon. It's pretty regular that by the time mm-hmm. we get to the capstone abilities, we find them a little lackluster because enough focus hasn't really been put into that into the game and balancing right. it out yet. But I don't want just want to reiterate that overall, I used to think monks, especially from some of the stuff that I've seen or read you know, being influenced by public opinion or whatever, used to think monks were weak sauce they weren't a great class but I disagree I think monks are great Uh, I think that they pick up speed as they go phenomenally and part of the reason I also think that we see a little bit less power abilities in the end is because they get so much this list of abilities is twice as long as most other classes it's super front they get a lot of stuff so a
2: lot up front a lot in tier one and tier two and then it peters out from there yeah Yep.
1: Yeah, I think they're awesome. I enjoyed playing it in Class Warfare so much that I may, the next time I have the opportunity to roll up a (laughs) conquer of my own as opposed to running the game.
2: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I agree with you. This experiment is always very helpful for me because I find that I enjoy the class more when I really take a critical eye to it and really peel it apart to see what's in it. Mr. Miller? I want to just say
0: monks are cool. I think I really, not even I think, let me try that again. What I want to say, my parting thoughts on monks are this. They're cool. Their abilities are very front loaded. They make for great action heroes. The extra abilities, their movement, they can be in places. You use the phrase utility, combatant. They work really well. If I have a dig, it's I wish the subclasses better better meshed with the class. Mm. There's some conflicts. We're going to discuss that next week. But I love this overall. And I think Glenn is right when we talk about the back end. The back end is a little rough. And I think it's more because things are out of place. Not that any one ability is bad. I just think they're a little out of place. But I do like this class. I enjoy this class. I, too, am looking to to bring up a character and run a monk at some point in the near future.
2: Who among us doesn't have a back end? That's a little rough, though.
0: I don't know about you. My back end is. And that's we the need answer, to- folks. We're going
2: do we need to talk about your back end really uh, that is our episode for tonight i hope you enjoyed our discussion of, of the monk class like i said again this coming tuesday will be our class warfare featuring scald from awfully queer heroes where scald and glenn and Luanika roll up monks and throw them up against my uh, draconic scenario all right gentlemen thank you very much as always thank you everybody out there for listening peace good night Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in
1: touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, we would
0: appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.